Welcome to Eyes on Brand. I'm Philip Giuliano, one of the founding partners of Brand Active. When faced with a brand change due to merger, acquisition, a shift in brand strategy, or any other reason, this is the podcast for you. Each episode will be packed full of fun conversations and actionable ideas from global brand and agency leaders about brand implementation, insights, and innovation. When all eyes are on you, our eyes are on your brand. Let's get into it. Welcome to the first Eyes on Brand episode of 2024. This is Nancy Adzentovich and not Philip Giuliano. Surprise, surprise. Um, I am guest hosting today as Philip is out traveling the world and exploring some new adventures in the beginning of the year. He will be joining us again next month. And I've invited a friend and colleague, uh, Chief Marketing Officer, Diana Klechkova. We're going to talk about CMO's point of view for 2024. What are we thinking about? What's on our minds? What are we excited about? And what keeps us up at night? So Diana, welcome to Eyes on Brand. Thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting to be here. So like you said, I'm CMO at Privateer Space. We are a software platform for space co-founded by Steve Wozniak, who you know is that one guy who founded that one fruit company. But we are really at the core on a mission to make space a natural resource that we can all utilize in a variety of ways and we can get into what that means. But right now, space is something that is being used by the few. And we are eager to make it something that is open to many. But my background is a little bit all over the place in marketing and social media performance. I headed up social media at Levi's. I was at Omnicom. I worked as a consultant in marketing and monetization for sports teams around the world. So I've seen a little bit of everything. First of all, I just want to say, I think that what you are doing in the effort to democratize space, I don't know if you said democratize, I, but I didn't say it, but one could say that. I don't know if that means we will all be physically launching ourselves into space or just accessing the wonders of space in a more tangible and meaningful way in our day-to-day lives. But I do think it's really cool and super yeah. interesting. And Thanks. Um, yeah, I can tell you that I will not be accessing space physically in my talk. <laughs> that was going to be not a question. for me. No, thank no. you. But I think things that people don't really know until they dig around in this industry and, and start to understand is what space really means to us, not just as far as exploration and all of those great things and different you know bio experiments that can happen in zero G. All of those are wonderful. But the biggest thing that we're really focused on is space as a way for us to see Earth better. So as the CMO of this brand, which can seem very esoteric, very complicated, very convoluted, but also super interesting and compelling. How are you building the brand and who are you building it for? I am building this specific privateer brand and our marketing infrastructure and, and everything that I'm overseeing. But I'm also simultaneously building a market because it's bigger than just us and trying to you know, form our place in the market. It's a very rapidly emerging, growing market. 
And there's a lot of complexity and a lot of nuance and a lot of just lack of awareness of the tech and what it can do, right? It's like part of the problem of this great opportunity of this thing that can work in all different kinds of ways and have so many different applications is that you then have to talk about those different applications and inform people of all of those applications. And only then can you get to, well, here's why you should use us for that. It's been an interesting challenge that I discuss a lot with my colleagues who work in the space industry in general, because commercial space is so new. It's long been the domain of governments. And so they are simultaneously figuring out how to promote themselves, but they will just be shouting into a black hole if there isn't an audience for the market itself. And so we're trying to figure out the best ways to, in some cases, collaborate with our enemies, <laughs> right? Yeah. How are we all trying to create a rising tide to, to lift all the boats here? What's exciting? What's exciting this year? I think in some ways, I'm lucky and it's easier where I am because it's been so homogenous for so long that if you are willing to take any risks in either how you speak to your audience or where you're speaking to your audience, it's relatively easy to stand out. I don't think space is necessarily unique in that. I think that happens quite a bit in B2B specifically, which I did not come from, but have landed in repeatedly. And so I think especially when you bring more of a B2C mindset to B2B and really start thinking about that second B, not as just these organizations and corporations, but as people who are on the receiving end of any of your messages, there's real opportunity in that. So you and I come from a similar background in digital media back in the days of when it was really being defined. And I don't want to say we were pioneers, but maybe we were. Um, <laughs> pioneers. I see chat GPT as being the connector that brought AI to the masses. Kind of like, you know, the iPhone. All of a sudden, it's in everybody's hands and it's a very easy thing to apply to many different tasks in your daily life, regardless of what you do for a living, where you live, how old you are, everybody has figured out some way to use it. So I think that in my point of view is what has made AI seem so prevalent. But when I think back to the way we've been doing marketing for the past two decades, machine learning and AI and algorithms were a part of it from day one. And utilizing and organizing data to understand if then statements at a massive scale and to reach people in a way that's customizable and relevant and to get content in front of them that feels like, wow, how did they know? <laughs> We've been using it on the back end of what we do. Where do you think, whether it's from a marketing point of view or just in a business, you know, how you do your job, do you think AI is really going to make a big dramatic impact uh, this year or in the next couple of years. I'll say it this way too. Do you remember the year of mobile in advertising? <laughs> mobile. It's mobile it as was, a channel. There like, was what? the year of mobile for like five years and then it yeah. turned into, yeah, it just became another thing. I kind of see that happening with AI. I mean, absolutely. You think about it, right? It, it, there was mobile, but also AI used to just be calling everything smart things right? Yeah, it was right. smart this, smart that. 
you said chat GPT, right? And I think that is a, a big sort of step change, I guess, in the way that people have been able to interact with that and to, again, to use the word democratize, to make it simple to access the power of this technology that we have been steadily working on over time. I for sure personally use it constantly, and it's not replacing me by any stretch of the imagination, but it is kind of like outsourcing my brain sometimes. I had a scenario where like I had to do a product listing on the Amazon Web Services Data Exchange, and they have like their own coding system for how to create formatting, you know, how to bold and change headlines and fonts. And so I sent their URL for how to do the formatting to ChatGPT. And I was like, here's my short description, make it longer. (laughs) And it did it. And our AWS rep called me and was like, your product listing page is so good. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, it like, it took some human editing to just like make sure it was right and and tweak. But it's just like, yeah, like, this is not something I want to be spending my time on right? No, no person should. It's soul crushing to to try to figure this out. And so for me, it like it raises the bigger questions. I think, you know, the, the microwave didn't kill cooking. But what are the things that we can use this for to make things easier? So let's talk about maintaining the attention of your primary audience or your customers or your ideal customer profile. When you're basically launching a new brand, you're creating a market. It's promising to be an intense news cycle this year with an election in the US, which does impact everything around the world to some degree. And then we have global conflict as well. So we know that in a cluttered media environment, it can be harder to stand out advertising time becomes more costly. It carries a premium. So what are you thinking about for the year ahead in terms of creating a brand presence in a marketplace that's going to be very loud and very crowded and very expensive? It's not easy, first of all. And I won't pretend that I have just the golden ticket here to be able to to get around some of that stuff. It's, It's tough. And again, the fact of the matter is too i think especially after the the political cycles that we've had people do look for outlets to think about something else and to look at something else and so you see it in the migration off of facebook that turns so super political uh, around these cycles to the likes of instagram and even linkedin where people would rather just talk about their work than talk about politics with Aunt Sally. And so I think there's an opportunity to be the relief from some of these other things that people get tired of. As with anything, like you said, there's kind of the supply and demand of advertising and and looking at those costs. I like to lay low when everyone else is just spending against each other and pick moments where you can create your own story, not just try to plug into another story and be yet another voice and make sure it matters to the people who we want to be talking to. It doesn't have to be huge numbers. Yeah. So I like that, you know, creating your own moment. I think that's so poignant when you're right. We are all looking for bright moments in what can seem like endless negativity, creating something with your brand that provides 
a moment of rest or escape from <laughs> from all of those things, right? Framing your service or your product in such a way that it feels like you're understanding your your customer. And I mean, it's helpful if that's genuine coming from your company, right? I think, you know, sometimes I get questions about marketing this or that. And it's like, I don't know, try marketing for another company because <laughs> it seems hard with what you're doing. And not that privateer is perfect in every way, but I chose to actually leave running my own little agency that I was super happy had built and was small and with a bunch of friends and doing really well. And I chose to join Privateer in part because I loved the mission. And it was something that was looking at a situation that was potentially catastrophic, but looking at it with optimism and hope and wanting to do something about it. And because of the people, I mean, like being the was of a relationship or of a business partnership means being the one who cares and is just nice. <laughs> and, <laughs> and our CEO, who's, you know, was co-founder and, and our third co-founder, they do this not because it's the most lucrative thing they can possibly do. They do it because this is something that they care about. I think culture is huge and mission and vision, right? So Brand Active is very mission-driven. Our core values do touch every decision that we make about the business from marketing to finance to hiring to which clients we choose to work with. So I hear what you're saying and I think it does make a difference. And bringing that kind of a message to market has to be authentic. Otherwise, it will never land. And we've seen brands that have tried to force fit things on themselves that didn't make any sense or to take advantage of a situation or be opportunistic. Right? Is everyone and, else just picturing Kylie Jenner in a can of fish uh, cheese? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can think about when you say that. <laughs> yeah, like that. So yeah. And so what I'm kind of getting from listening to you is regardless of what's happening out in the world and in, in the media landscape and with the competition, it's really staying true to your brand and staying on brand and not wavering from that and really understanding who your customers are and what you can do to bring value to them is the right course of action. Yeah. Bring value to them and also just connect with them, right? I think that's one of the challenges too about kind of early stage startup land is you don't always have all the products that you want to ship packed up and ready to go and ready for your customers to use. There's a lot of development and then the idea is well ahead of the actual execution. And so I think there's a component there where you have to be building that relationship and that trust for what you will be able to deliver in the future, as well as what value you can bring right now. And that's where just finding those partners and customers that you align with and having that connection be the through line of like, even if you don't currently have what they need, or if what you have isn't working, right? That's part of the authenticity that you mentioned too, is like, if you're authentic and have real connection and trust with your customers, with your audience, with your industry, even when you screw up or, or just don't have exactly what someone needs or go astray in some way, if it's authentic and genuine and you're always working to do better, that's always going to be sort of accepted by your audience. So the early stage startup world is unique, especially I would think in an industry like space where 
this is a tipping point where it's becoming privatized. And this is something that was wholly owned by governments globally up until just recently. So what can you share about your take on how to make it work? The government thing is definitely still there. And it's how the majority of space companies make their money, even a, a SpaceX that is, you know, the the king of commercial space. They're still making their money off of the government for the most part. And at the same time, everyone is sort of anticipating where the market will go and anticipating being each other's customers as they all grow together. And so that's how we have to be thinking about any groundwork that we lay right now, which I think is a lot of fun. It's like, how do you really use uh, core foundational thinking about data and just marketing infrastructure that can then adjust in real time as you move forward. It's okay to build and grow at the same time and try to anticipate your future needs, at least in a broad sense, maybe not the specifics, but you know, you're collecting what you can, you're building what you can, and you'll figure out how you're going to use it all at some point down the line. It's going to be fun to watch how this industry really grows and shapes itself over time. Where will the acquisitions be, mergers? I mean, a lot of that, that's part of, for sure, the outlook for a lot of space stuff for this year is what kind of consolidation is happening. Because it's really interesting as far as the value chain in any kind of portion of the space industry, the components of that value chain are really kind of fuzzy for a long time. And so everybody's sort of overlapping and trying to absorb all pieces of the value chain and really trying to establish where they sit within it, even as it's developing. It's really chaotic. (laughs) And that definitely, it keeps it interesting. I almost can draw a parallel in my mind to the beginning of the internet too. We didn't know what we were going to use it for, but we knew we were going to use it for something. And everybody was trying to figure out how to make money and nobody really knew how. So, you know, and we had such a glut of startups and then they all started consolidating and finding a purpose. And then by collaborating and acquiring one another, there were value chains that became apparent and different use cases that became apparent and applications that emerged. And I think, you know, it's the same kind of thing. We know space exists. We have some concept of why we want to be there and what we might discover and how we might use it. But as we do those things, it will open up new channels of thinking and new thoughts around how to utilize space itself (laughs) and the different properties it holds. And it's really not something we have the capability to understand yet. So how do you, getting back to the brand part of it, like how do you build a brand like Privateer that has some idea of its purpose and its value, but also is self-aware enough as an organization to know that you don't really know yet what you're going to grow up to be. So like, what, what is your thought process? I think it does come back to the people and the personality and the values of the company. We are not here to pretend that we know everything because that would be ridiculous. I think that we are 
kind of in that realm of like, we take our work seriously and our mission seriously, but not ourselves too seriously. That was something that we set out with from the very beginning with the brand. I presented the initial mood boards. It's like, look, like we can go techie and futuristic and this, but like, y'all are kind of (laughs) quirky. We could be just real quirky and lovable and genuine and heartfelt in what we do. Because again, especially with a personality like Waz involved, that's who he is. The man is just like a a human teddy bear. But I love that. I mean, I think you have to have fun, right? You have to not take yourself so seriously, especially when you're doing what you guys do. And such a visionary like Steve Wozniak, I feel like he's such an unsung hero in our world, in our entire world, not just our culture in the US, but he has done so much to shape the way we do what we do and how we live our lives with the technology and everything uh, that he did with Steve Jobs. And he doesn't get the notoriety. Yeah. So at Brand Active, we say we are brand implementation experts. As a marketer, what does brand implementation mean? Well, and of course, we all kind of bring our own baggage to everything, right? And I I came up through the world of social media, especially as it was just evolving as into a channel that people were taking seriously as a marketing channel, which I'm sure to young people in the industry now, they're like, not taken seriously. No, we were not taken seriously for a little while there. But that was a place where brand implementation became so challenging because brand was thought about at this high level of hero imagery, logo, and you know maybe fonts and colors. <laughs> it's very challenging to do. So I think implementation has a lot of tentacles to it when it comes to brand. And in a lot of ways, you have to think from the top down and the bottom up, in my mind, to really understand not just what is that overarching, what is keeping everything together, what's the umbrella and and what's our constant gut check of like the core of who we are, but then in every single little moment, whether that's social media, whether it's how field marketing, or even just how your employees experience the brand and how they represent the brand to the outside world, it has to be able to be consistent-ish throughout all those things. It'll never be exactly the same in each piece of it, but you have to set up systems where it can all fall back and look like one cohesive thing. I don't know if that matches up with how you guys think about it, but that's definitely like where my mind goes. I know. I think that was a really great way to talk about it. And when we talk about brand implementation with our clients, it is what you're saying. We help them to understand all the different implementations that exist of their brand out in the world, whether it's a piece of content or if it's a a logo on a brochure or a sign on a building, so many places where you don't even think about it. And we, over 25 years, have built this database of branded asset categories. So we can look at all the different categories and help them inventory everything that they have that exists. And then when they're launching a new brand or reimagining their brand or they're merging with somebody and creating a third brand or whatever the case may be, we help them to figure out how do you get that 
new brand, that new logo, that new whatever it is, implemented throughout all of those instances. It is an interesting concept when we say brand implementation or rebrand implementation. Different people interpret that. I have different marketers that I've spoken with interpret it in different ways. So I will say, Diana, it has been so much fun to talk with you, to look forward and to look back with you. I am excited to see where you and Privateer is going to go in the next year, two, five years. Again, thank you for listening. I am Nancy Adzentovich, Chief Marketing Officer of Brand Active, sitting in for Philip Giuliano, who will be returning in a future episode in about a month. So thanks for listening. Thank you, Diana. And don't forget to subscribe to Eyes on Brand. Be sure to subscribe to Eyes on Brand wherever you listen to podcasts to catch exciting future conversations with global brand and agency leaders about brand implementation, insights, and innovation. Check out the show notes for links to more insightful resources on our website. And if you have any thoughts or questions, always feel free to reach out to me, Philip Giuliano, or our head of business development, Nancy Adzentovich, via our email links in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, do great things.